Welcome back to the Heights podcast. At Heights, our mission is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. One of the ways that we do that is by recording podcast episodes like this one, uh, where we explore issues uh, regarding faith, uh, the culture, and the church. Uh, we are currently in a series of podcasts about the names of God. This is the third episode in our Names of God series. And I'm excited today uh, to be joined by Pastor Jonathan McMeans, who is our pastor to students and also our pastor of Connections. Uh, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at Heights. And uh, we're going to go ahead and dive right in. Jonathan, glad you're here with us today. It's really good to be here. All right. So this is uh, week three in our Names of God series. And so first week we talked about uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Right. And then last week we talked about uh, a couple of more kind of technical names for God. We talked about uh, uh, Yahweh, which is God's uh, personal name. It's the name that God gave uh, his people. It's his kind of covenantal name. It's, it's a proper name. And then we also talked about the word Adonai, which is a, a title, which means my Lord. Uh, and so this week we are actually going to be going to a name uh, that's very significant because it actually only occurs in one verse in the Bible. And that's going to be uh, Genesis chapter 16. And uh, what's, the, what's the verse that we're going to be exploring today? Verse 13. And uh, in, this specific, uh, in this specific chapter, like you said, it's only in one place. But we see that uh, God is referred to as the God who sees or the God who sees me. And so it's a really interesting story. Um, it's actually a story that I really, um, to say I like it, it's a, it's a moving story. Every time I read it, it's something that impacts me personally um, as a youth pastor. Um, but I know that we're going to get into that in a little bit. Let's, let's get back to telling them what the Genesis 16, 13 is about. That sounds good. All right. So the, the Hebrew word that we're going to be talking about today is El Roy. And, uh, and, and, and like you mentioned, Elroy is uh, the God who sees, or maybe the God who sees me. One of the things right. that's important to realize when you're uh, working with a foreign language is words don't always translate one exactly to another in another language. And so there's a little bit of, there's kind of some variation of meaning. So the God who sees, the God who sees me, those are both kind of ideas that come from this word, this word Elroy. And so right. we're going to go to... Um, the, to Genesis chapter 16, and just sort of to, just to sort of summarize what happens here, um, God has promised Abraham that he's going to have many, many uh, children, that he's going to be, that he's going to make him a great nation, and he's going to be a blessing, he's going to have land, and his family is going to be a blessing to all the nations of the world, and, but uh, Abraham's, you know, well into his 80s at this point, and he and, and his wife, Sarah, don't have kids yet. And so Sarai comes up with this plan. See, they have this slave girl um, that they've brought with them out of the land of Egypt. God delivered them out of the land of Egypt. They brought the slave girl with them. And Sarai's idea is, well, you can have a relationship with my slave girl, and maybe she'll give you a child, and that'll be the way that God, um, that God brings forth this promise. And uh, this is not something uh, that was a part of God's plan. This is, uh, this is Abraham and Sarai taking matters into their own hands. Um, but now you're in a situation suddenly where um, Hagar has a child. She's, she, has, um, she has or she's carrying Abraham's child. And now Sarai is furious and is turned on her and is abusing her. So um, why don't you go ahead and kind of and take us from there. So from that point, you have uh, Sarai who planned the pregnancy that 
hates Hagar, her servant. Um, and so Hagar runs, like just, just takes off. And in the middle of the wilderness, she has this encounter with God. God appears to her and he tells her to go back and promise to multiply her own offspring. So I think that's kind of interesting. The promise was to, to Abram that he would have uh, just an immense offspring. And now because Abram took things into his own hands, um, doing things his own way, now a portion of that blessing that was Abraham's is now given to the one that was wronged um, in, uh, in Hagar, right? And, and I love it. With this encounter, um, she responds to God. When, God. when God confronts her, when God uh, shows up, uh, she says that you are the God of seeing, or you are the God who sees me. And um, I love it because she, it says that she calls God by name, and then the name that she calls him is the God of seeing, El Roy is uh, the Hebrew language. And then she comments after that, truly here, I have seen him who looks after me. That's a great picture of uh, a person that's been wronged, sinned against, oppressed. Um, and God says, no, 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 I look after the oppressed. That's right. I am the God who takes care of the, the broken, the maligned, the outcast, the, the ones separated from society, the one that uh, the, the promised ones, the chosen ones, the church even sometimes oppress. Um, God sees them. He is the God of, of seeing um, taking care of those that are in need. God is the one who sees the unseen. Absolutely. You know, I, I was thinking about the fact that, that sometimes when we are dealing with, when we're dealing with trauma, when we're dealing with crisis, uh, when, we're, when we've been sinned against, um, we can often kind of feel invisible. Right. You know, we can kind of ask ourselves the question like, that, does anybody know, does anybody care, does anybody see me? Um, and, and we were talking before, um, before, before we sat down to record, we were talking a little bit about uh, some of the statistics particularly. And I was wondering if you could speak to us kind of from a, from a student ministry perspective about, you know, some of the, the, the kids that we might know that, that might be a part of our church or a part of right. our community and, and some of the ways that they, that they might be dealing with situations that might be similar to this one. Right. Uh, well, I know, first of all, uh, ministering for the last several years to Gen Z, um, they have a, a, a really big inclusivity when it comes to oppressed, mm -hmm. oppressed people. Um, and so if there's people that they feel like society is shunning, they're, as a generation, uh, largely as a whole, I mean, not every individual, obviously, but as a whole, the, the unit kind of pulls in uh, people that are oppressed. And you see that a lot with uh, like the LGBT movement. Um, and so one of the things that I've learned working with, uh, with Gen Z specifically is they're, um, they have hearts in a very good place at dealing with people who are oppressed and showing love to people that are wrong. But one of the statistics that comes up dealing with this specific topic is we see this young lady that was violated against her own will. Um, That's right. She probably didn't have any, any pro say in this matter. Probably not. She was a slave girl. And if you think about it, uh, Abram and Sarai were her masters. They were the ones that came up with the plan. So there was a person that's mentioned 
that didn't have a say in the matter as far as we read. She was the one that was sinned against, that was wronged in this, uh, in this instance. And, and statistically these days, uh, we can't say that's something that has happened just in history. Um, statistics that are coming out in the last couple of years uh, indicate that one in four, one in four uh, young ladies are sexually abused in their lifetime. And I'm thinking about this as, as a dad of a daughter, and I know you've got several daughters as well. Um, our student ministry had over 40 young ladies that came through our doors at some point. We, we actually had probably more like 60 young ladies that came through at some point throughout the year. And to think if it, if it was four, because it, it makes it quite a bit easier if it's, if it's 40 or 60. Um, when you think of it, that means somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 15 of those young ladies um, either have been sexually abused or will be sexually abused in their lifetime, according to statistics. And uh, as a dad of a daughter, that's a scary statistic, um, a repulsive statistic. And one of the things that I love about the God that that we have the privilege of serving is... um, he is a God that takes care of those that have been abused. That's right. He is a God that, that sees and loves unconditionally uh, the one that has been through the traumatic experience that I honestly, I, I can show empathy and compassion for them, but I, I can't put myself in their shoes. I, I, don't, I don't know that feeling of hurt, um, but I, I do know that that is very common um, as a student pastor of more than 10 years, um, I have encountered this numeral t- uh, numerous times uh, over the years. So that's, an, that's, that's just like, that blows my mind to think about it. I mean, I've got, I've, got, I've got four kids at home. Three of them are girls. Right. So, I mean, I'm just doing some math here, and it's kind of a scary, statistically speaking, it's a scary, it's, you know, it's scary numbers that are in my head right now. Um, but, you know, and it's, it's a... It, it's it's so hard because you know there there's so many kind of dynamics of like of like guilt and shame and fear that surround uh, this kind of an issue that right. you know uh, it's it's also very likely that that a lot of a lot of uh, instances of abuse might go undercount un, undercounted right. or underreported or go unreported. Um, so I was so I'm thinking sort of like what's our what's our response to this? So we. Um, the good news, the, the 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 good news that we have from from Genesis sixteen thirteen is that is that our God is a God who sees. He's right. a God who sees us. He's a God who sees. He's the God of seeing. Um, and so then the the question that I have is sort of like like what what kind of what is our response? What is that to, knowing that about God? What, what, how does that how does that cause us to live? How does that cause us to think about um, how we live our lives? So here's the way that I would that I would say this: if I was if I was dealing with a parent or a student um, who was going through this situation, um, I would say that God is a God who sees. Um, he's a compassionate God that understands, um, that sympathizes, and I want to see too. Um, as a as a pastor of the gospel dealing with teenagers, I want to be able to see too. I want to have the, the eyes of God, the eyes of Christ, seeing the way that God sees. And since God is a God of seeing, 
um, the defender of those who have been wronged, right? It's my prayer that God would make his church, this church, a place where people are seen, heard, and cared for. And we don't turn away folks, even when it's uncomfortable, even if they're the the margins of society, um, that we would be a church that was willing to share the love of Christ, the the gospel for all people. And you remember Christ encounters uh, prostitutes and tax collectors. He sits with them. He has meals with them, right? And so the God that uh, that sends Christ and loves the sinner expects the same of his church. Um, unfortunately, you don't see that very often. Um, there is a passage uh, that is in uh, the book of First John. Um, and First John is, is a great passage uh, that's close to my heart, but in First John chapter 3, um, it says, if anyone has the world's goods, right? If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? And I, I, I see the, the word there in common is he sees. So the God who sees the oppressed and is there and cares and, and sympathizes and advises and guides and restores and redeems. But when the church comes about it and they see and they say, eh, you know, I see it, but that's not really my problem. Well, John. Or, I, or, or, or I'm afraid or it makes me uncomfortable. Right. Or isn't there somebody else who can handle this? Right. Or, I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to think, you know, I'm not qualified to deal with this situation. Right. I'm not cut out for this. I didn't sign up for this. Right. I mean, you can have people who are, who, are, who are loving, compassionate people who maybe for a feeling like, maybe a feeling of inadequacy feel like, I can't, this is, this, is, this is above my head, this is above my pay grade, this is more than I can handle. Right. And the reality is, is that, you know, Jesus came and he got messy. And he got into to all kind of people's mess. You know, I was thinking a, a, a good illustration of this is the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Oh, yes. You know, where, yeah. you know, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, um, the first two guys that walk by and see the guy standing on the side of the road are the, the Levite or, uh, or the, the, the priest. Priest. The, the Levite right. and the priest. So those are both church people. Those are like church staff. Right. And they were on their way to do something very important for the Lord. Right but they didn't take the time and they even kind of crossed on the other side of the road. Um, yeah. And so I just, it, we, one of my favorite worship songs that we sing sometimes uh, says, uh, break my heart for what breaks yours. Yes. You know, and so may that be, may that be our prayer as a church that we would be a people that would have the mind of Christ and that would have the eyes of Christ right. to see those who are unseen. And so I, I, I think as we look at, as we look at this, this passage, you know, on the one hand, we can have that assurance that God sees us. Yes. You know, and we can rest in the fact that right. whatever it is that we might be going through, God, God is aware. God sees everything. God knows exactly what we're going through. Um, but then I think the other kind of uh, application that we can draw from, from this name of God, this El Roy, is that we need to be a people who are willing to see the people who are, who are unseen. You know, we right. want to reach out to uh, the oppressed. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to be in, you know, we want, God calls us to love, you know, the poor and the orphan and the widow and the immigrant, you know, those right. who have been kind of pushed to the edges of society. And so I'm just thinking of ways, 
ways that we can kind of do that in our community? You know, what are some ways kind of locally that we can sort of, you know, be there for um, people that have been wronged, people that yeah. have been sinned against? Um, so my thought on that is, uh, first of all, never underestimate the power of prayer. Um, and I know that, that that's not just a, a Sunday school answer, right? But I know that on my, on my computer, my daily workstation, um, and also in my truck, um, I've got stickers that remind me to pray for refugees. Oh, that's good. Um, and so every morning, uh, I open up my workstation to get ready to do ministry for students, and the first thing that I'm greeted with is a sticker that says, Pray for Refugees. Uh, when I get into my truck in the morning, I'm driving Adelaide to daycare, um, and I look down, and right next to the shifter, there's a, a sticker that says, Pray for Refugees. And I use that not to just pray for refugees, but it's a reminder uh, that there are people facing oppression. Um, there are people that are, um, that, are, that are facing difficulties that we can't uh, necessarily always wrap our minds around. But God is a God that loves the immigrant. He loves the refugee. He loves the burdened. He loves the abused. Um, he loves people that sin differently than I do, Matt. And when we're looking at this picture of, of a, a refugee status, the way that I pray for those every morning, like, like I don't skip mornings of this. Every time I get in my truck, I see that sticker right there. And I pray not only for them, but I pray for my soul as well, that I would be able to uh, see the needs of those that I serve, of those that I work with, um, and that I would be able to show the love and actions of Christ um, as I communicate with them and as I, as I do life with them. I think that there are some more um, applicable steps, but I think for the, the average listener of this podcast, I would say that is a great starting point. Great place to start. Make it, make it your uh, intro to your morning. You say, you know, God, I believe that you are good, you are great, and whatever, whatever your prayer life looks like in the morning, which I'm sure a lot of the people listening have that already, throw in there, and God, help me see the marginalized. That's good. Help me understand better. Um, help me understand better these people that are, that are oppressed, that are hurting, that have been abused, um, that have been cast aside, that won't be heard by so many people, that will be misbelieved by some people even. Um, it's, it's, God, give me eyes to see the way that you see. Give me the ability to listen the way that you would have me to listen as I, as I minister to these students, these young people, these families um, that are going through it. So in addition to praying for the, the, the marginalized and the oppressed, um, I'm thinking specifically kind of to, to a similar issue that Hagar may have been deal, dealing with, somebody who may be in crisis, somebody, somebody who may be dealing with abuse. And I was just wondering if there's some kind of some, some resources or some organizations kind of right in our own backyard where, where we could get involved, we could help, we could support, get more information or get help if we need it. Uh, yeah, just thinking, thinking of a few, um, I know that, that we as a church have supported uh, Kids Harbor, mm -hmm. uh, local in our area. It's a, a foster unit. Um, and in addition to, to Kids Harbor, um, we've got multiple families in our church that have fostered children. Mm -hmm. um, and so our church as a whole has uh, 
been very loving to kiddos who are in the foster care system. Um, and oftentimes those are people that get overlooked um, when, you're, when you're looking at ministries mm-hmm. um, in general. Um, so I would say doing stuff with organizations like Kids Harbor or if you have a bigger, a bigger uh, availability, um, maybe even praying about fostering yourself mm-hmm. um, and your family. I know we've had several in our church that would probably be able to point in the right direction if that was something that you were considering. Uh, you could contact the church, and we would love to, to point you to people that have done that. Um, and then in addition to those, I, I think also there is the the Crisis Pregnancy Center that we support as a church mm-hmm. um, that takes care of women um, from really all walks of life, um, very diverse group of people that, that use that ministry and that help in that ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a great way when we're seeing the God who sees you have to remember, this is a God who sees a, a marginalized woman mm-hmm. and uh, supporting a ministry that's focused on taking care of women who don't know what their next step is, right. um, is an incredible place. Um, I know that there's a bunch of neat things that that ministry does. Um, and again, um, if you're looking at ways to get involved with that ministry, you could contact us at, at Heights as well, and we would love to, to get you in the, the right direction on that. Yeah, my wife... Um, actually uh, worked at that uh, crisis pregnancy center for many years as a volunteer and uh, had opportunities to share the gospel with lots of ladies, had the opportunity to, to do ultrasound. She, was actually, she actually volunteered as an ultrasound technician um, and just had really incredible stories of opportunities and interactions that she was able to have with these young ladies who, who don't know, like you said, they don't know what their next step is. You know, they're, they're living in crisis. They're in a situation that they... That they never planned on being in, and they're trying to figure out what that next step is. You know, and, and right. to let and to let these ladies know that 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 they're that they're seen, that someone right. sees them, and someone sees that the sees that the crisis that they're in. Right. I would say one more um, is, and I know that this is a little self-serving, um, but with statistics um, like the one that we quoted earlier. Uh, one in four women, I think it's something like one in six young men mm-hmm. um, also dealing with sexual abuse um, specifically. And when you get just general abuse, that number actually goes way up from there. Um, I would say another way you could get involved in, in, in working and ministering and loving uh, Gen Z would be to contact myself or uh, Miss Caroline, our, our children's minister, and one of the two of us could could show you ways that you could serve uh, some of these younger members of society that are coming into the church, um, so, uh, many of them even unchurched uh, when they come in. Um, and so come serve our student ministry, uh, serve our children's ministry, um, and that would be another way that you can uh, serve. That's a great word. I think that's actually a great place to end it, to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, L. Roy. The God who sees, the God who sees me. Um, we want to say thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Heights Baptist Church podcast. We uh, typically do uh, one of these every week, usually release them on Wednesdays. And uh, we're also here on Sunday mornings. You can join us uh, at our campus in person. We have worship services at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. And so you can join us for worship if you're, if you're local in the, in, the, uh, in the southern Houston area. You can come find us. Uh, we also uh, live stream uh, on Facebook and YouTube, so you can go over there and 
uh, subscribe, get all of our content, on updates from all of our video content, our podca- podcast content, uh, opportunity to uh, join us in worship in that way. We actually have a uh, new website that's recently been launched, and uh, Jonathan actually did a lot of the work uh, putting that together. So I want to say uh, thank you, Jonathan, for uh, for making that happen. So I invite, I invite you guys to go ahead to uh, head over to heightschurch.org and see the new heightschurch.org and you get more information about our church and how you can uh, take your next step in your faith journey. We will see you next week.